Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, back in New York City for the time being. I'm about to head back to New Jersey for a few more shots at the elusive World Series of Poker bracelet, or as I like to call it, the two out of 50 states series of poker (laughs) bracelet. I'm not alone. You can hear him laughing in the background. The uh, founder, the founding father of the organization that we love, known as Tournament Poker Edge. Uh, your friend and mine, Killing Bird himself, Derek Tenbush. How are you, Derek? I'm great, Clayton. How are you doing today? Great to talk to you. You know, every week, I every time I'm about to record, I always check in with Derek first. I know how busy you are, but, you know, everybody wants to hear your voice on the uh, podcast. So, luckily, the timing worked out this week. And you've been playing a good amount of online poker lately, haven't you? Yeah, I have been uh, playing quite a bit. I actually, I think on the last podcast I had mentioned uh, that I was doing like a bankroll challenge with some buddies. Um, So that wrapped up at the end of June, but I think I got, I just kind of got into the groove of playing pretty consistently, so I just like kept going. Um, I certainly played less this month than last month, but um, still playing quite a bit, probably four days a week or so. So yeah, it's been busy. It's been good. We ended up actually winning that bankroll challenge, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. I believe that was the last conversation we had, where you had gone through a pretty long dry spell, where you're basically playing like break-even poker for a series of weeks. Yeah. And then right at the end of the challenge, you binked one. Yep. Yep. That was it. <laughs> it, was, it was a good feeling, and I, I, uh, I, they've delivered me all the beer that I won in the contest. So yes. I've been uh, partaking in that, and yeah, just you know, like I said, just still grinding and, and doing the Twitch thing and trying to stay busy. Well, that is fantastic. Twitch has been live lately, as has Twitter. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, what is going on on Twitter? We have social justice warriors who are actually closeted racists. <laughs> we have uh, well-known and well-respected poker professionals slash poker website spokespeople going crazy because of a uh, – I mean, which which one do you want to talk about first? It's been a pretty active time. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Daniel thing is kind of a good place to start. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just – it's so weird because it's just like a, a side of Daniel that I guess I've – either I just haven't noticed or just he wasn't like that before or I don't know him well enough or something because, man, he, he went on some serious rage fits on Twitch. It was crazy. Yeah, so why don't you just get people up to speed? I mean, I saw one video, but I I understand there's more than one video out there of Daniel basically losing his mind over something that happens either at the table or the one I saw, he was having, I think, connection issues. Yeah, so the first one, um, I think, I'm trying to remember the order of them now. I think the first one was where he he got, or at least he felt like he had gotten slow rolled. 
um, by a player. And it really wasn't, I think you mentioned this too, it really wasn't much of a slow roll. Wait, um, that was that was Mike the Mouth, wasn't it? Did Daniel get slow rolled too? Oh no, you're right. Jeez, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're Man, getting off. I'm getting them all messed up now. <laughs> yes, so That's yeah. It's been I, an active week, right? It's I, been I, yeah. a very active week. I forgot we even had Mike the Mouth in there too. So yeah, so we won't talk too much about that one because you kind of mentioned that one. Yeah, and then there was the connection issue one where he where Daniel was basically just losing connection to WSOP.com, which, by the way, is a frustrating problem. I think I mentioned it when we were talking about whether we wanted to go play the series. Um, I used to have that issue all the time on WSOP.com, so um, I have nothing against them or anything, but I, I, I understand Daniel's frustration. But, yeah, he basically just started, like, you know, swearing and yelling and screaming. And at one point I thought he was going to break his laptop. He kind of picked it up like he was going to smash it on his desk or something. Yeah, it's crazy because sometimes when you're playing online, uh, you know you're in a middle, you're in the middle of a of a huge pot, say, and then all of a sudden your internet goes out or your connection to the server is lost, mm-hmm. and you know these are the kind of problems live players never have, right? I mean, it's just not going <laughs> to happen in live. So you have to be. This is part of the game: is that you might get disconnected for a while. Now most websites, I believe, WSOP.com among them have a little bit of a buffer so if you if you do disconnect they give you an automatic disconnection sort of time bank to see if you can get your computer back online right. so I, i'm not really sure what was going on but i guess daniel was in, right in the middle of a big pot and he lost his connection to the server now the problem that you and i have both had which is equally frustrating is when all of a sudden the the site can't figure out that you're in nevada or new jersey right. the only two places where you're allowed to play and so all of a sudden they'll just kick you off because they can't confirm your location, even if you happen to be right in the middle of downtown Las Vegas at the time. Yeah, and I did see a few people tweeting out that that was happening to them, although it does seem a lot less frequent than what I remember it being, you know, nine months or two a year ago or whatever. So maybe they've worked a little bit of that out. Um, but yeah, and I like I said, I get it. Like, I get the frustration. Um, and I don't think too many people were like, oh, you're a terrible person for acting like that. It was more of just a like, whoa, Daniel, settle down, man. <laughs> you know, like, take it easy. But then he kind of got himself in, I guess, a little bit deeper of hot water. Um, because I guess he was streaming on Twitch, and somebody made a comment about his wife, which I don't... I, I still haven't seen that comment. I've seen a lot of people, like, post on Twitter, like, well, what was the thing that set him off? What set him off? And nobody seems to really know, which is kind of surprising, because I'm sure there were thousands of people watching. Um, so I'm still not sure what they said, but something about his wife, which sent him into another rage, but this one was a little, you know, obviously directed at somebody, and was a little bit more graphic, I guess, for lack of a <laughs> better description. Uh, he mentioned knocking out somebody's teeth and feeding them to them anally, which I'm not even <laughs> totally sure what that means, but um, uh, yeah, so that one was, that one was kind of crazy, and and he, I, I don't, I, I think he, I think he busted shortly thereafter or something, but then he ended up, you know, signing off of Twitch. He didn't get banned immediately, but then I believe the next day Twitch banned him. Now Twitch, um, I've had my own Twitch ban in the past, so I know how a little bit about how it works. And They essentially just tell you, um, they'll tell you how long you're banned for, or they'll say it's indefinite. Uh, and, they, and so you don't really know. And they won't, they're not very good about communicating. You know, they basically say, hey, 
your band will we'll be will you know we'll get back to you and we're ready to let you back in. Yeah, <laughs> so, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah. But let's talk about your band. Why did you get banned? What did you do? So I got banned for a really weird thing. And by the way, I've probably done other things that I could have gotten banned for, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, this one was actually, I think it was on Poker Go, I believe. Um, and I so I tweeted at them, and it was during a the World Series. I tweeted at them and said, "Hey, it would be really, it would be really cool if you guys did something where you allowed Twitch streamers to stream some of your events and like talk about it and comment on it, commentate on it. You know, essentially what they already do, but from like a different perspective. You know, like, hey, you know, Killing Bird Twitch community, let's watch the 1K bracelet event and talk about it and analyze hands and stuff." And they reached, they replied to me, and they, and they said, "Oh, we we do allow that, or or we, you know, we do." I think it was what they said is, is we do. And I was like, "Oh, cool. Well, I'll, you know, I'd love to do one. Like, I'm, I think I'll do that with the monster Ma- or millionaire maker or whatever. I can't remember what I said, but some turn. Yeah. Um. So I went ahead and started streaming it, and you know, was talking about it, and you know, hanging out with my community. And uh, all of a sudden, I got banned. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, yeah. I was like, wait, what happened? So I tweeted at them back and said, hey, you guys told me I could do this. Why, you know, cl- clearly they had, you know, they had contacted Twitch and said, hey, this guy's streaming our content, which is certainly fair. I mean, they own that content, but I kind of thought they had given me permission. And they said, oh, we didn't, we misunderstood what you were asking us. We thought you were asking if we streamed the content. I'm like, no, no, I wanted to stream it. So I, I got like a 48-hour ban or something. It wasn't like a huge deal, but and when they kicked you off for 48 hours, did you then come back and threaten to stick their teeth into their <laughs> anal cavity? I did not. <laughs> that was a uh, that was was not the first thing that came to mind. I was I wasn't particularly happy about it, needless to say, right. but it was just kind of like what it was, you know. Yeah. Um, well, but the you know, think about Daniel. You know, he he just he's a he's a very competitive person. And whatever was going on, he was probably upset about how the tournaments were going. Now, you know, these tournaments are like $500 to play. I mean, it's pocket change for Daniel. He's a very, very wealthy man. But I think because he always wants to win, and also, by the way, we know that he has a lot of side action on whether or not he wins a bracelet Mm -hmm. this month or next month. So that might have factored into it as well. So even though it's only a $500 event, but if if there's a big bet, on whether or not I actually win a bracelet, and this is my best chance to do so. And now I just took a bad beat, and now this guy in the chat is saying something about Amanda. Like, yeah, I could see where that would set him off. But, yeah, it's it's funny to me when Daniel threatens physical violence because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been up close with him, but he, he's not a big guy. <laughs> he's, he would need a step stool to knock in most, pe- most people's teeth. Yeah, he's he's not the person I would definitely be worried about getting in a fight with, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, but I mean, yeah, I I totally get it, and I mean, you know, I've been streaming for for six years pretty consistently, and I've had people say incredibly terrible, terrible things to me, uh, and oh, my and my family, and my you know my kid, and you know, like I they'll they'll say anything to to get under your skin. Um, so I, you know, I, I I you know I've certainly called out a few trolls before and told them I was going to punch their face in. Um, so I you know I'm not necessarily you know I'm mad at them for. For doing it, like it's his, it's you know, it's his stream. He can if he wants to tell somebody they're assholes and he's going to beat them up, then you know more power to him. I guess the real question comes down to is that what a an ambassador for a brand should be doing? You know, it's not. I don't think it's so much of a moral question as it is like almost like a business question. <laughs> I 
Absolutely, it's a business question. And as poker players branch out into other areas, such as being the face of a poker website like GG Poker, or, you know, we're going to get to Ryan in a minute, but, you know, he just recently started his own poker coaching site. And then, you know, not even a year ago, he started this site. And now it's come up that he has had a pattern of using, you know, a very offensive racist language when he's angry at somebody on 2 plus 2 or maybe when he's, you know, streaming or whatever. So, uh, you know, it what. I think you get into a bit of a of a problem when poker players are asked to be role models. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Charles Barkley back in the day when he was in the NBA and he said, "Look, I'm not a role model." Uh, I, I think maybe all of us should should kind of have that written above our heads as we as we walk around in public, whether it's Mike the Mouth, uh, definitely not behaving like a role model threatening sexual assault against a, a, a female <laughs> player that he thought slow rolled him yeah and then you know of course daniel has his history of saying things he probably regrets and now but this thing with ryan it's interesting how poker players like to well they want to have it both ways they want to be role models but they also want to be free to you know be human or in some cases subhuman and so yeah what are your thoughts like how do you balance the fact that you're imperfect with the fact that you're also trying to build something you know like if you for example i know you would never do this but if you went on some kind of racist tirade one day uh that would be bad for everything you're doing like a lot of your twitch followers would say you know i can't support somebody who's a racist a lot of our members at tpe would say i don't want to have anything to do with that guy mm -hmm. anymore i'm going to cancel my membership so yeah, just what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it, it's tough. I was actually thinking about this quite a bit because it kind of started, it all started with uh, a guy named Poker Guru um, who, <laughs> speaking of Twitter beefs, has w initially had his own Twitter beef with uh, the guy, uh, Berkey, Matt, uh, Matt Berkey? Yeah. Right. Um, they kind of had a beef and then, <laughs> then you know, and I know Poker, Poker Guru because he's an ACR um, sponsored pro, which is a different than a stormer. The program I'm in, but we're still sort of loosely, you know, in contact via Skype groups and stuff. Um, he let something slip on Twitch, um, uh, the F word for lack of, but the right. the, the the one Pejorative to, to describe homosexuals, right? yeah, um, and that's sort of what Ryan called out. And then basically, within a few days, people were then calling out Ryan, going, "Well, wait a minute, you're calling this guy out for using that word." but you use this word many times in the past. And so that kind of started the whole war. And I, it, I, so I've been thinking about this because I kind of know both people loosely. I, I don't, I wouldn't call them friends per se, but we're certainly probably more than associates, I guess. Um, the thing with this is like when you're out there, especially on Twitch, um, but also in forums and Twitter and stuff, but specifically Twitch, when you're putting yourself on display that much of the time, if you are a bad person, or or if you're just somebody who's, who is prone to make mistakes, which I think we can all agree we all are, eventually it's going to happen. Like, you know, I, I don't know how many hours I've streamed in my life, but it's probably thousands of hours. You know, if, if I tend to use a bad word like that, or 
have thoughts that are inappropriate or whatever, eventually I'm going to say it. It's going to slip, you know, especially if you're sitting back having a few beers while you're playing a stressful game of, like, poker. Um, so it's actually kind of amazing to me that that kind of stuff hasn't happened more. Um, but, you know, thankfully it hasn't happened to me yet. Um, <laughs> hopefully it never will. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough spot, and it, it's kind of... I, I was shocked, because I, I the one thing I will say is, like, in fact, when I first saw that people had posted those comments that Ryan had made, I was like, well, those are obviously fake. Like, that's a troll account. Somebody... That was my first thought, too. You know what, Derek? That's exactly what I thought, too. Yeah. I was like, I know Ryan. I, yeah, I know this guy. Like, he he wouldn't say that. And yeah. But sure enough, now he is basically, yeah, just to catch everybody up, if you're not following the drama, <laughs> um, you know, Ryan has admitted that, yeah, I did say those things. I wrote those things on 2 Plus 2 or whatever. I have used that language. It's been a number of years, seven to ten years, since he has actually, you know, been documented using that kind of language. He says he's a different person now than he was then. That doesn't change the fact that I was, you know, way out of line. I apologize to anyone I've offended. I mean, he's basically taken as much responsibility in as uh, formal and as all-encompassing of an apology as I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and I still think that some will choose to never forgive him, and I, I believe that that's okay I mean, for them. Like, if if you will never forgive someone who used probably the the most hated word in in the language, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I guess that's your prerogative, you know. I don't know. It's it's tough because Ryan's pretty well liked in the poker community. Yeah, absolutely. He was until a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot. I think I agree with a lot of uh, posters on Twitter and stuff. I saw replying, which is, you know, we all agree it's, it was an incredibly terrible thing to say. Um, but then I think we just have to ask ourselves, like, are, are we forgiving people or are we not? You know, like we just have to kind of decide for e- each of ourselves, like, do we forgive people or do we just, you know, if they did something bad at one point in their life, do we just hold it against them forever? Um, and I, you know, again, everybody's gonna have different takes on that. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about when it, when it was when I re- when I found out that those statements were true and were actually attributed to him is it got to me thinking about how young so many of us were when we got into this game. I wasn't particularly young. I think when I got into poker I was 28 or something. You know, I wasn't I wasn't a kid by any means, but a lot of people were. Like a lot of people got into this game when they were 16, 17, 18 years old. So if we went through the entire poker community there's a lot of people who said and did a lot of really dumb things when they were 16, 17, 18 years old that would probably come back to haunt them uh, if, if anybody could dig them up or find them. Um, so, you know, I think it just goes back to the classic, you know, the, if living in glass houses probably don't want to be throwing stones concept, you know. Um, Absolutely, but I think in Ryan's case it's even further complicated by the fact that he did just have that recent, uh, you know, diatribe against poker guru mm-hmm. about that he had used when he himself was guilty of using the word that, again, I think is the most reviled word yeah. that we have. Um, you know, it's right up there with the C word for women. Like, they right. don't like the word, and, you know, it's just not a word that you want to be throwing around, at least, uh, you know, not in this country. And where I grew up in Baltimore, uh, you know, a white person who used the N word would probably not have survived the day in high school. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I yeah it, um I will say this to to both of them and I, I I'm not here to defend or tear either one of them down. Right. Um 
they were both very quick to apologize. In fact, uh, Poker Guru apologized immediately on stream. As soon as it came out of his mouth, he was like, "Oh, I, I can't say that. You know, I apologize." Um, and he and he actually called Ryan, I think, while on stream and apologized to him specifically. Um, and you know, and then Ryan, of course, you know, has posted a a, a, a long tweet, uh, basically apologizing and explaining, you know his thoughts on it all and stuff. So, you know, I'll give them credit for that. And, um, you know, it was just kind of like a sad, like, couple of days <laughs> in the poker world. I kind of, I enjoyed the Daniel Negreanu stuff way more than I enjoyed that because, you know, I like I like a little good drama, but not drama that, you know, hurts others and, um, you know, could ruin careers or, or I love drama. I just don't like hate speech. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like I said, I, I you know, I do plenty of things on my stream that I'm sure people are like, "Wow, this this dude's an asshole," or he's, uh, you know, he's a he drinks too much, or he's terrible at poker, or whatever. But um, I, I do have very strong rules about the use of hate speech in my chat, and it's it's the one thing that gets you an insta ban. You know, you can make fun of me, you can call me fat, you can call me bald, whatever you want to do, but you start dropping those words, you're instantly banned, and you don't get to come back ever. So uh, I have a pretty hard stance on that. Um, so yeah, it was just it was sad to watch for sure. And um, yeah, it, it's it, hopefully hopefully everyone learned something from it, and it, it leads to less of that and a little more understanding of of others and stuff like that going forward. So yeah, very cool. I think you have a great rule there for everyone who joins your Twitch stream. And by the way, I, I've never heard someone say that you drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, Just I, I often I wonder. Heard anyone not say that? <laughs> I like it, the weird thing with the, like the Twitch community is that you get these people who kind of come and go. You know, like they, they'll be in your stream for you know steadily for two, three, four months, or whatever, and then they're just gone one day. And I'm always like, huh, I wonder what I did to did I offend them? Like, did they <laughs> do they not like me anymore, or did they just stop liking poker and they don't play poker anymore, or whatever? Or but, maybe they just found another Twitch stream that they prefer. Yeah. And they just, Following that, you know, you have a lot more competition than you used to. I mean, we talked to Matt Stout last week, and if he's streaming, it just depends on what you want. You know, do you want really, really high-level strategy, mm-hmm. or do you want to watch somebody get drunk and, and donk it off? So that's kind of like, you know, which diff- two different markets there, yeah. right? Yep, for sure. <laughs> and, oh, and, and to sort of cap off the, the drama, Twitter drama stuff, there is, there is a little bit of a development, which I actually saw just like an hour before I got on on call with you, which is that um, uh, Daniel Negreanu and Doug Polk have agreed to play Heads Up. <laughs> um, they're working out the details in terms of dates and side action and what stakes they're going to play, but I think the last I saw was 200-400. Wow. Um, so... Somebody's about to get wrecked. It's just a question heads of who up, it no is. Heads up, no limit? Are you sure? I believe heads up, no limit. Oh, my God. I think Daniel's drawing dead. Doug Polk is one of the best heads up, no limit players ever. Yeah. He did say something along the lines of, I haven't played in six months or something, but I don't know if that matters too much for Doug No, Polk. I'd be trying to say that, too. I would say that, too, if I were trying to get a deal. <laughs> That's you true. Know? Yeah. I've, I've practically forgotten how to play poker. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's trying to sandbag it a little bit and make sure he can get Daniel to agree. Well, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So one, mean, one thing that hasn't changed in 10 years is poker beef still gets settled with heads up for rolls. <laughs> heads up for rolls, baby. Let's go. <laughs> That'll well, always be the case. Um, speaking of heads up for rolls, um, well, I'm sure you weren't playing heads up for rolls, but why don't we get to your hand because 
uh, you told me that you got a really good one for us this time. Yeah, so I think this one is uh, is an interesting one. Um, I will preface it by saying that I think I made some mistakes early in this hand, but it doesn't make the rest of the streets any less interesting, I don't think. But it might be okay. one of those. It, it'll be like the classic, you know, two plus two post where you're like, "Hey, what do you guys think about the uh, this turn action?" <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be full pre, or in this case, something different. But uh, yeah. yeah, so we'll get so, into it. So this we'll, is we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. Let's just say that our strategy sponsor for this podcast is TournamentPokerEdge.com, which if you're looking for a website uh, to help you learn to get better at poker and not make the mistakes on early streets that Derek <laughs> makes in the following hand, uh, check it out, TournamentPokerEdge.com. All right, so go ahead. Yeah, I'd also like to say that I am not a coach on the site. I don't do the <laughs> training videos, so you don't don't let this uh, t- turn you away. I, I promise yeah, I promise. Sure. there's good players on there making videos. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't think this is completely tragic, but you, you'll see. Um, sure yeah, so this is the 1650 10K guaranteed on America's Card Room. Okay, how um, many days of late registration does it have? <laughs> about 17 days. <laughs> okay. Um, we are out of late reg in this, so um, okay. that's, that's not really a factor, but we actually did make it deep in a tournament for once in our lives. Cool. Um, so we are at, uh, the blinds are 1500, 3000, and we start the hand with 71.8K. Uh, and we are in the cutoff. Um, it folds to middle position, who limp? Oh, I'm sorry, who min raises to six thousand. He is uh, pretty active. He's running twenty-seven, twenty-two. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't call him, you know, super aggressive, but he's definitely leaning more towards aggression than he is towards passivity for sure. Um, so he makes a six k, and it folds to us in the cutoff again. We have seventy-one. 8k so about 24 big blinds um i in my mind i should just be shoving here pretty much 100 percent of the time but i'll uh, i'll defer to you if you have a different opinion oh so again what what two cards do you have oh i'm sorry i didn't say that i have the 10 of hearts and the 10 of diamonds pocket tens okay yeah so your m is about 10 by the way and you have what did you say 24 24 20? bigs yeah 24 bigs yeah, so I agree. I think that there's really no – there is a case to be made for slow playing, you know, a really solid hand, and that would be if you think this guy is going to fold too much and you want to keep him in. So then you could do, like, a smaller raise or just flat. Or maybe, like, if you think that the players behind you are prone to squeeze play too often – so suppose the the big blind is the type of guy that if it goes raise call he you've noticed that he likes to to three bet a lot in that situation and, and put in the squeeze. Those are reasons for me why I would just call with the tens. But there's not much of a case, in my opinion, to be made for any other raise. So if you decided to make it like I don't know eighteen or whatever, yeah. It's it's kind of silly, right? Because you're already putting in so much of your stack, yeah. you may as well put it all in. And you don't especially want to see a flop. I mean, taking it down with a shove is a pretty good outcome, considering how much you can add to your stack without even risking busting out of the tournament. Right. Yeah, I think um, it, it's interesting too because the the guy who's opening 
um, C bets 85% of the time. So, and I have a pretty big sample on him as well. So that's a, you know pretty close to an accurate number. So when we flat here, and he C bets 85% of the time, the, the, an overcard is going to fall. I'm not sure the percentage of the time, but a pretty good percentage of the time. Um, and when he C bets, what are we supposed to do now? Like, are we just folding automatically to his C bet, which he's going to do almost 100% of the time? Or are we just are we set mining? Like, it just feels like we're going to put ourselves in way too many awkward positions. Um, so I, yeah, I would rather just shove here. I have no idea why I didn't, but I opted to flat, which I think is kind of weird. Um, I prefer flatting to a smaller three bet. So yeah, and I think I'm and, okay I, and I think I, I think I prefer it to folding too. So it's it's not the worst decision we've made, but certainly, I, yeah, I think shoving is definitely the best though. Well, it is the best unless, like I say, if you feel like somebody on your left is is likely to spaz out here and just mm-hmm. you know put in a big raise because. Look, it's a perfect spot for me to squeeze with like queen four from the small blind. You know, if you have that kind of opponent on your left, then flatting here with the intention of getting it all in is not is not bad. Uh, I guess it just depends. If you don't have anybody like that on your left, then you're really you're still not completely lost because you will be in position with what is likely to be the best hand. But, you know, to your point, I believe that with pocket tens, an overcard's going to come about half the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a lot of cards. Jacks, queens, kings, and eights, that's a lot of cards. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, and you can't just fold because it comes queen high, right? Especially right. if this guy, you know, always continuation bets, basically. So, yeah, I, I'm not crazy about the flat, but it's not it's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So we, uh, like I said, we do flat, uh, and now the button makes it 18.87k. So That's basically, great. basically 3x. Yeah. So it, it kind of worked out for us, right? Like this is what we were hoping for. Um, and now the blinds fold, and the original razor calls the 18.8. Maybe even better for us. Perfect time to get all our chips in, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's that's what I wanted to see. If I flat here, it's because I want somebody to three bet behind me, and, and only because I think that the player that's likely to three bet behind me obviously is likely to do so with a very wide range, not a strong range, because tens right. isn't doing that well against a strong range. Right. But under these circumstances, especially with your chip stack situation being what it is, you know, you only have an M of ten. We might as well get it in right now. So. With his 18 and the other guy's 18, that's 36, plus the blinds and antes. Yeah, that's a pretty easy shove, I think. Yeah, there's 51.4K in the middle. It, I don't know that we're ever going to get folds here with a shove, but there's just so much money in there, and our hand's too strong to be folding, I think. Um, well, what kind of stacks do these guys have? I mean, it's not trivial for them to call. Uh, no, um, the original Razor has 30 bigs behind Okay. And the button has 46 big blind, big blinds behind. But we'd be making it, uh, let's see, we would be making it about 72k. So it'd be about. This is not good math for me. So I mean, it'd be, they'd be getting like three to one, I think. Well, you know, I don't know if they're getting three to one. Maybe that's right. That doesn't sound right. But what I do know is they've each put in three blinds. Right. Or what? how much have they put in? Uh, now they've put in six. Six, and you're putting in 24. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, necessarily, especially if that three bet is light, 
I don't think it's an easy call for him. It might be an easy call for the original Razor because mm, yeah. he's supposed to have something, but he doesn't have that great of a hand. Usually, if he really has a monster, he should keep raising rather than flatting. Right. So, That's so a good you're point. probably you're probably doing well against his range, unless he's doing like a weird slow play out of position against two opponents. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In so all I, likelihood, I think if we were to shove here and TJ Fish, uh, I didn't even say his name, but the button now reshoves. Um, I think we're going to finally lose that the guy who flatted. You know what I'm saying? Like if he. It, I don't think he's playing aces or kings or something this tricky. I think he's just going to fold. So we're at least going heads up. Um, right. But also, you're so, right. We probably do get folds a non-zero percent of the time, for sure. Yeah, some percent of the time, even if it is three to one. I mean, we could do the math, but I'm too lazy. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and, and plus, I don't do that, so it ends up not mattering too much. But I really don't know. Like, I'm so lost pre-flop in this hand. I have no idea what I was thinking, because I now flat again. Okay. <laughs> now, you have put in... 20% of your stack? Yeah, more. Uh, yeah, tw- uh, 18. Yeah, a little more than that, actually. About 25, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so putting a quarter of my stack in with pocket tens, and now I'm going to be in the sandwich between two opponents on the flop, which is probably going to contain at least one overcard. I mean, that's a pretty murky situation to put myself in. I mean, I guess your reasoning might be, well, maybe my tens are no good, right? So that's mm-hmm. what you were kind of worried about. But they were, you thought they were too good to fold, but not quite good enough to shove. So it just reminds me how Andrew Brokus always says, calling is not a compromise. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think you kind of took it, took that road because you're like, well, let's just see what comes. You know, maybe I'll hit a ten and that'll make my life easy. Yeah. Right. But I, I mean, I really do feel like I'm. I'm basically set mining, but I'm set mining off of 24 bigs, which seems incredibly bad to me. Yeah, um, not after you've already put in six. Yeah, yeah, it's, you put in six out of 24. That is a quarter. That yeah. math I can do. So, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, obviously we we can see where this is a mistake. But you said earlier that you made some mistakes on early streets, and I think that you know we agree this is a mistake. Yeah. But being the poker genius that I am. Uh, we get the old king ten nine flop, so we flop uh, middle set. This is why Mark Eliotto used to make fun of me all the time. He goes, "I know why you make these mistakes. It's because it always works for you." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yep, that's it." Um, no, but yeah. So there's 64k in the middle now. Our stack is 59k. Those guys cover us, and like I said, we get uh, the king ten nine flop with the king and ten of spades. So there are right, two spades out there. A little bit less than a pot size bet left behind. Yep. And so I assume we're all going to check to the three better here? Uh, yep, the uh, the original Razor checks. I check. Um, obviously, in this case, I think I know exactly what I was thinking. This guy's going to C-bet. I'm going to jam. <laughs> we're going to win. Life is good, yeah. Yeah, um, but he checks back. Okay. So now a lot of times when I three-bet, you know, I, I believe that when we three bet pre-flop, we should usually bet the flop no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not always, but usually. But I think one reason why I wouldn't would be if I had more than one opponent. So in the in-position player's shoes, if he doesn't love his hand right now, like suppose he has pocket queens 
ace queen like these hands make sense mm -hmm. and it's not a great flop for either it's it's fine to go ahead and fire a continuation bet when you manage to get it heads up but i think because he has two opponents if he doesn't love the flop he's going to check back a lot of those hands not really planning to fold maybe but he just doesn't want to put chips in if he doesn't if he's not compelled to right, right? Mm -hmm. But if you would have folded or the other guy had folded, I think he should probably bet this flop. I mean, this flop hits his range pretty well overall, so he should probably be betting it a lot. But I think maybe the two opponents thing kind of slowed him down a little bit. He may also slow down because he has a great hand, and he doesn't think it's going to be hard to get all the chips in, given how how short the stacks are at this right. point now that so much has been shoveled in pre, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, I think maybe if he flops... A straight here, maybe those queen jack flopped a straight, um, or maybe yeah. some sort of like. I mean, it could also be a set, maybe a set of kings. Yeah, pocket kings. Yeah, I mean, those hands make sense too because it's like, yeah, sure, I can. It's only really going to take two bets to get everybody all in, and so maybe mm -hmm. I should let another card come off, and maybe somebody will feel a little more confident if I don't bet right now. Like that all makes sense. I mean, usually you don't want to slow play as a rule. But I think that when when stacks are this short, like his SPR is one, it's fine. Yeah, makes sense. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it goes check check check. Uh, and just as a reminder, 64k in the middle going to the turn, uh, and the turn is the Ace of Spades. So now it is Ace King Ten of Spades and the Nine of Clubs on the board. So not a card we wanted to see, I would say. I mean, it obviously completes. Some straight draws, it completes flush draws, um, so kind of an ugly card. Um, I don't think it completes any straight draws. Um, well, I guess, yeah, queen-jack was... A, I mean, it completes queen-jack, but it just makes it a better straight. So, it does, yeah, it yeah, I mean, queen-jack really was there already. Yeah, yeah, we were already behind queen-jack. Yeah, so, so the that only is thing that The only thing that the ace does... Is, did you say it puts a three flush out? Yeah, three spades out there now. Okay, so that in that sense, we don't love it. But, you know, how many flushes do these guys have? I mean, a lot of chips went in pre-flop. So a lot of the flushes they should have would involve that ace in their hand. So sure. I wouldn't be overly concerned about I'm Of course, a flush is possible, but I wouldn't be overly concerned about one of my opponents making a flush. And since we know they didn't just make a straight, they already had the straight if this card is a straight card. So... I'm really only concerned about being behind pocket aces, which is a hand that might be in the pre-flop three-betters range. But overall, just given stacks and given our situation, I mean, you you should never worry about everything. But when you have an SPR of one, you definitely shouldn't worry about everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would still be inclined to try to get these chips in if I can. Yeah. I will say, too, that I think if somebody's going to have the flush here, it's probably not going to be the three-better, because I think he would have C-bet flush draws. Um, That's point two. Um, so we can kind of use that to maybe gauge some future action, if, if you know, depending on who does the betting here. It's hard to name two cards that make a flush that made it 18, unless it was a pure bluff with, like, a suited connector or something. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Like, yeah, unless we think he's three-betting, like, or, well... Yeah, I don't think so. I was going to say maybe like like Queen Jack of Spades like is about it, but I don't even think that's really a three-betting hand in that position. 
Yeah, why not just call and see the flop with that hand? I mean, yeah. I guess you could. I mean, you could have a hand like that in your three batting range. But for me personally, when I'm in position with a suited broadways and my opponents have relatively short stacks, I don't want to miss the chance to see a flop. So if I've got queen jack of spades here and I three bet and the first guy shoves and then Derek goes all in, now I'm never going to see this flop with queen jack. That sucks. All I had to do is call. Yeah. And and I could have you know realized more of my equity, as it were. So, yeah, I would say, I'm not worried about the three better having a flush almost at all. So if if we got so unlucky to lose to a flush, it's from the guy who made it six k and then just called. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So again, let's not worry too much about the flush. Really, I'm I'm worried about being behind. A better set and there's only two available better sets and my SPR is one so if that's the way I bust this one so be it let's yeah. try to get some chips in agreed um, so uh, on this turn um, original razor checks we bet 16,500 which is pretty small here I think um, I don't know if it's bad necessarily but it's le- like less than third well, I think it's fine. I think shoving is also fine. Basically, when you're when you're making this bet, you're trying to give the illusion of fold equity to your opponent. So, if this guy on your left is pretty aggressive, maybe when you bet 16, he might feel inspired to wake up and get aggressive all of a sudden with hands that we can still beat, obviously. Yeah. Uh so if that's if that's the goal here, then that's great. But I think just shoving is probably also okay because there should be some ace-king, ace-queen in, in both of these guys' ranges. And those hands probably shouldn't be folding because you, you're really only betting the pot a little less. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and we certainly invite flush draws to come along here, like like maybe ace-queen with the queen of spades. I mean, yeah, he's, probably, he's pro- probably not folding that anyway. Uh, so it probably doesn't matter, but um, I mean, I don't mind people calling with, with a single spade here, you know, thinking they can, again, maybe like queen-queen with the queen of spades, like that might be a hand that we keep in with this small bet. Um, yeah, with that hand, that's a good question. Does that hand call if we shove? Yeah, I mean, I if it's me, I probably do, just because I really like to hit royal flushes. <laughs> so I would take my chance. Royal flush draw, and you also have a pair of queens, which maybe could possibly be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say in that spot. I'm, I'm not sure what the average player does, I, and I'm not, I'm not even sure what the correct call is. I mean, there's a lot of outs, but actually, I think the check back on the flop is queen queen a lot. It does make a lot of sense, yeah. So yeah, that is a, a good reason to bet small if we're trying to target that specific hand. But I guess all things considered, I would probably just shove on the on the turn because what I'm concerned about is another spade coming off on the river and now I can't get my double up which I otherwise would have mm-hmm. versus a hand like ace king yeah and right. I mean and like I said we're effectively doubling up by shoving I mean there's 64k in there we have you know 50, yeah. 50, 50 something 52k so I mean we more than double up by shoving here which I mean is was kind of our goal with this hand in the first place <laughs> we just messed it up and took a weird way to get here <laughs> Yeah, you mean if you shove and everyone folds. Right, right. You still double up. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I mean, obviously, our goal should be to try to maximize this. Definitely. And I just don't know if if shoving maximizes it in a different way or or better than yeah. What what's bet? What's a higher EV play? Is it betting small like you did and and not losing hands like maybe queens or jacks with a spade? Mm-hmm. Right, because those hands also have a straight draw to go along. Yeah. So that's it's always an interesting dynamic to me because it's the classic situation of okay. If we go to if we do see a river here and it's let's say another spade, some of the time we're now losing because they had a flush, uh, and some of the time we're still winning but we're not getting the extra bet because now they're folding whatever they had you know like oh, I had a I had a set too but I guess I fold the flush got there, um, so yeah, yeah I, that's I kind of mentality I, right I like to I like to put it in I like to stick it in because I'm afraid that some kind of action killer card might. Mm-hmm. Might call on the end, and now I don't get full value for my set. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I like a shove here. It, it's and it's not even a full pot size bet. I mean, you know, it's fifty-two into sixty-four, so it doesn't right. look it doesn't look super crazy or anything. And you know, I, and I think we're we probably are going to get called by some hands like queens with the queen of spades. Um, so I, I think I like a shove, but in classic fa- fashion for this hand. We don't do that. <laughs> uh, we bet 65. And by the way, I don't hate this either. I, I'm fine with betting 16.5K. It's okay. Um, I just think shoving. I think I like shoving a little better. Yeah, I agree. I, I think shoving's a better play, but this isn't terrible. What would be terrible is if you fold at any point. Yes. I, mean, I, think, I don't think we can get this much in with a set. And even if some nightmare cards on the card hits on the river, I think you should still be planning to you know, just go broke. Yeah. I think I agree. Um, so yeah, so we bet 16.5k. Uh, the three better on the button calls, and that other dude folds. So okay. now, so now we are heads up, 97k in the middle. We have 36k behind, and the river is the queen of spades. <laughs> so. And that's the classic nightmare card. Yep, it is now uh, ace, king, queen, ten of spades, and the nine of clubs. Uh, we still have our set, but it suddenly doesn't look so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, now that the queen hit, I, the two hands I thought my opponent was most likely to have that checks back on the flop were pocket queens and pocket jacks. And so now if he has pocket jacks, particularly <laughs> if he has the jack of spades, he just made a royal flush. Yeah. So <laughs> that's always good. Um, um, yeah. And, yeah, and, we're, and we're first to act, so it's a pretty awkward spot. You know, it's kind of like, okay... My my thoughts in this hand were basically as follows. If we check, he's going to shove a huge percentage of the time, even if he doesn't have his beat. You know, maybe right. he doesn't necessarily have to have a set of queens or a royal flush or you know anything else. But he's probably going to shove here anyway, and we're going to end up folding. Um, but if we bet, I don't really know too much that's folding that got this far in this hand, except maybe pocket jacks with that. Out of spade? May, I mean, does he fold a set of queens here? Yeah, I think he could fold another set. Okay, so, yeah, let's examine that. You have some fold equity, but the problem is your your stack is so short. He's getting like 4 to 1 on a call because you're betting 39 into 100 or something. So he's getting almost 4 to 1 on a call. Um, is my math close? Are those numbers about right? Yeah, thirty-six in the let's call it, let's call it thirty-five into a hundred. That's pretty close. Yeah, to exact, so that's so. four to one. Yeah. yeah. So when you offer four to one, even if I just have a straight with like two red jacks, 
I have to call. But do I also have to call with like pocket aces when it's so obvious? It should it should look like yeah. So if you shove here and your opponent has ace ace, he's got you beat. But he there are so many hands that he's losing to. Mm -hmm. His question he has to ask himself is, am I good twenty percent of the time? Right when you're getting four to one, it's like, am I good twenty percent of the time? Right. And I think the answer is probably, but they might decide it isn't. So yeah. you might have some limited fold equity against hands that really did not want to see another spade, like namely like pocket kings, pocket aces. Does pocket aces bet this flop though? I would like to think it does most of the time two ways. I mean, I mean, or three hand, you know, three ways to the flop. Because I mean, yeah, there's just so, there's so many bad cards for him. Yeah, that's true. And also, he, there's a lot of cards. There are a lot of hands that can give him action, like Jack Ten, King Queen, King Jack. Like anything with a pair and a straight draw would usually probably call a pretty big bet mm -hmm. on the flop. So aces should be trying to get value, and also, you know, as you as you say protect against all the bad cards that could come later so yeah but he didn't bet the flop which kind of leads me a little more towards three kings or else an uncomfortable queens or jacks yeah I, I think those hands make a lot of sense um, which I think le lent into my decision um, kind of going back to what I was saying before where I think when we check we're going to get shoved on a lot and maybe end up folding the best hand. Um, I I decided I was just going to shove here. Yeah. Um, because if I'm calling his shove anyway, and I think he's going to do that a lot, then yeah, then, then you know, and, and I'm beat. Then I'm just losing either way, right? I'm either shoving and getting called, or he's shoving and I'm calling and I'm out of the tournament. So I figured, why not take the little slice of fold equity that I have, and essentially turn my hand into a bluff and maybe we get him to fold pocket kings or the pocket aces although we don't think he has that a ton um, or two red jacks or pocket queens you know all those kind of hands um, obviously if he has jacks with the spade obviously not folding him we're losing the tournament um, yeah he doesn't fold the royal flush right? no no <laughs> um, although I did have a guy check back uh, quad queens on the river last night so you never know <laughs> alright fine you just never know um, so yeah, so I decided it was a good spot to shove, I, I, and I, I can't really think of a reason why it's bad, uh, unless unless, unless we're check folding, unless we think check folding is an option here. You know. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, you did say earlier that we have to call no matter what kind of nightmare card hits, and then you pick the most the worst nightmare <laughs> card of all, yeah. the Queen of Spades, which makes me think maybe we could fold, but even still, I think we're so pot committed and. He might have ace king. That's the problem. Like if you're getting four to one, if you check and he shoves, you're getting four to one. Is he gonna have ace king or something similar? Twenty percent of the time. Well, I mean, it's not that crazy that he would have ace king. So yeah, it's tough. I guess maybe here's something to think about. Let's say he does have pocket kings. Mm -hmm. Do we think he ever checks back pocket kings here? Right, I think he would check back certain sets, and he might also check back pocket nines, which is bad for us. Because it makes me but wonder... 
it's calling with pocket nines. I know we're, we're on two different tracks right yeah. now. Yeah, since I brought that, up pocket nines, does yeah. he call with that hand if we shove? I think that's... Yeah, I think know. that one might be the one that he almost definitely folds. Yeah. I yeah, think. Because really, he doesn't beat anything. Yeah. You know, he can't even beat a straight with that hand, but he also can't beat a straight with pocket kings, pocket aces. You know, he has those some of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the one question is, if we think he sometimes checks back kings, queens, and, like, say, the two red jacks we were talking about, if we think he checks back some of those hands, then maybe this isn't a bad spot to check, because then he's checking back the hands that beat us anyway, and if we're going to call, if our plan is to check call, then the only thing we end up calling is bluffs, if we think he checks all that stuff. Well, we also end up calling the royal flush, and right, we end up calling hands that beat us too. Yeah, but that's yeah. gonna. Ha- but that's we're losing that when we shove anyway. So maybe our right, one right, opp- right. you know, our one opportunity to get more chips is to check, and our one opportunity, you know, from worse hands, and our one opportunity to not go broke to better hands is to check because he's gonna if we think he's checking kings, queens, uh, straights that aren't you know obviously don't have a spade in them. I think there's more value in getting him to fold the pocket aces, pocket kings, ace king. Well, we we want him to call with ace king, but I don't think he can. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we you know we can't forget that there is a hundred k chips in the middle that we want. <laughs> so if, if yeah. we you know if we think he's going to fold some percentage of the time a better hand, then I think shoving is probably better. I mean, the way that you got to this river is <laughs> I know fortunate. I mean, yeah, but I think. I think shoving. I, I hear your point about checking because he will check back some of the hands that would would also call. And so we're worried about the hands that would call our shove, but that won't bet if we check. Right? What's mm-hmm. the, how's the best way to to deal with those hands? And obviously against that specific range, we're better off checking because we never have to pay off. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird one. There's there's so many considerations in this one that it I, it had me think I, again like I said I, at first I couldn't really think of any reasons not to shove but and, and I still kind of think shoving is better but I can see I some I can see some arguments maybe not great ones um, where you know where checking gets us more chips but it's pretty rare I think where's PO I, when we need it I think shoving <laughs> before the flop is great too by the way <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Cliff notes. Okay. Cliff notes. Get uh, shove free. <laughs> ten. You got twenty-four big blinds. You got pocket tens. Somebody raised in front of you. Get your chips in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, what happened? Um, so we shove and he folds. So it's, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm. You know, I was trying to think of like what what hands he had there. It's probably those hands we were talking about, like nines. Yeah, ace-king king makes a lot of sense. Pocket nines, even pocket aces, pocket kings. I don't know if he's really going to fold pocket jacks if they're red. But, you know, there are a heck of a lot of spades out there. Yeah. The weird part is there's not... From his perspective, I really shouldn't have too many spades except the jack of spades. Like, did I really... Did I play my hand this way with, like, seven, eight of spades or something? Or, you know... <laughs> Right. Like ace five with the five of spade, like, and, and am I shoving those? I mean, I guess I probably am actually, but right. 
So um, he could be bluffing himself. Maybe he had a bluff the whole time himself. Yeah, certainly possible. And then when you shove, he can't bluff anymore. So he's like, you know what? This is one of those hands I'm just gonna like kick myself over because I just put a ton of chips in the middle, and now you know all hell broke loose on the river, and I just had to go running. Yeah. So that does happen, but more likely, I think he had a real hand, probably something like maybe even a set of kings. I mean, I don't know if I if I want to call you, especially if he knows you. I mean, you're not really known to be a big bluffer. No, and it's interesting too because in this tournament, I can tell you that I was running fourteen seven. Which is pretty tight. So to That's him, pretty, you know, yeah. to him, if he if he's a thinking player and he's looking at my numbers, he's like, well, this guy is not bluffing this river, right? Which I might not have been. Not really sure. <laughs> I mean, I did have a set. It's not a real bluff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly a value bet, Derek. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not. It's a value bluff. Value bluff, right? Yeah. So how are we supposed to get value for this bluff? <laughs> get called by three nines i mean maybe <laughs> yeah that's about it maybe ace king so yeah well that you were right that is a doozy what a hand i thought for sure you were going to say that he snap called with the pocket jacks <laughs> it, I, i'm ha- having trouble putting him on a range i feel like he probably has ace king so much here and there's nothing wrong with checking back ace king on this flop you know especially because the stacks being so short so in his shoes, if I have like Ace King of Hearts, and it comes King Ten Nine, I'm like, well, there are a lot of cards that I don't want to see on the turn, but also my opponents don't have any chips, so yeah, yeah, true. It's okay to check it once. It it should only take two streets to get value, so yeah, and I yeah. do, th- and I do think that's a hand that he could also just call my turn bet with and reevaluate River, you know, if. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the turn is not a good one. No, actually, I'm wrong. The turn was the Ace. Yeah, but I mean, I, it is the you know it is three spades and a straight draw. You know? Yeah, would you please forget the straight draw. No straight got there on. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> yes, people, I have been playing poker for over a decade, but I'm apparently not very good at it. But but I mean, I you know I could have had queen jack. Of course. And, and so the ace didn't really change anything, but he still might right. just be like, well, because because now I'm betting the turn, right? So. I mean, yeah, the spade you know, comes he, he, and you pick up all of a sudden, right? Yeah. So the spade is on the turn, and now all of a sudden, you, the tight guy, wakes up with a bet. A small one, mm-hmm. but a bet nonetheless. And so he's like, well, look, I have ace-king. I got two pair here. I'm not ready to fold just yet, but what do you got, Derek? Do you have a, do you have a flush? You know, I know when I'm playing against a player with numbers like that, 14-7, Every time he bets, I'm like, well, this guy has Queen Jack. You know, he's got the nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there is some benefits to being a net. People believe Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, when you bluff, you, your bluffs work a lot more often than mine do. Let's put it that way. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, great man, man. Thanks for uh, sharing it. What What's going on with the website? Any Any new coaches we should know about? Any exciting new videos? Yeah, so actually we just launched... Um, a new series from Andrew Brokus, which I know is one of your and I's favorite uh, coaches on the site. So part one of that actually just went up today, um, and it's a it's actually a member hand history review from GG Poker. So I know you know GG Poker is kind of becoming a lot more popular, of course, with the World Series uh, starting up on there and stuff. It's you know everybody's talking about GG Poker. So if people are out there playing on that site and they kind of want to see 
what some of the play is like on there and uh, hand history. I, I know I always like to watch hand history reviews from the sites I play on because it just makes more sense in my head. Um, yeah, you've been there, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so people who uh, who want to check that out, uh, that just started today. So and, and we just finished up videos from Danny M13 and Colin Moshman. So tons of good stuff up there for people to uh, to check out. Fantastic. Well, Derek, Killing Bird, Ten Bush. Tell them about your Twitch because it's the best place to watch somebody get drunk and play poker at the same time. That's right. Twitch.tv/killingbird. Stream three or four nights a week, usually in the evening. So, uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to come by and hang out. Always a good community. I've actually had a bunch of people, well, a bunch. I've had probably a dozen people in the last three months or so come to the stream and say, hey, I heard you, know, I heard you mention you, you stream on Twitch on, your, on the podcast, so here I am to check it out. So that's been really cool. That is cool, and hopefully I'll be doing the same. I'm trying to figure out how to Twitch with a laptop, so that's where I'm at. At least my laptop that I've been, you know, the ongoing saga, for those who listen every week, the ongoing saga on my laptop the hard drive was defective. They got it repaired. I just got my computer back today, and I'm going to hopefully get this thing up and running so that I can twitch the uh, grand finale main event on WSOP.com this Friday, which is the day this uh, episode comes out. So if you're hearing this in time, check me out on Twitch, Clayton Comic, and see if I'm streaming the main event right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've been waiting to catch you streaming, but it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I've had a lot of technical problems in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you need any any more assistance, let me know. I know I, I saw at some point you tw- tweeted something out, but i got a few friends who are pretty good with that stuff, so I can always have them. Well, I'm getting close, but I may very well take you up on that. So cool. I really appreciate it, man. Anything else you want people to know? No, that's it. Just uh, be safe out there, everyone, and um, stop being mean to each other on the interwebs. Yeah, stop calling each other racist names and stuff. Don't do that anymore. (laughs) All right, great. Well, for Derek Tenbush and for everyone else here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening.